Welcome to this message from Life Assembly, a thriving church in the northwest suburbs of Minneapolis. Please visit us online at lifemn.org for more information. And now join us as we pursue Jesus together. Strategic um, missionary um, outlets that we can have. They are missionaries that go directly to universities. And they are, I mean, actually, as I've gotten to know our church, as I've gotten to know you, we have people that have met in college ministries. We have people here that got saved in college ministries. There's people here that actually planted a college ministry because their campus didn't have one. And so college campus missionaries in the United States is extraordinarily strategic and important. And if you look on our wall out there in those TVs, you're going to see we support multiple Chi Alpha pastors um, or missionaries here in Minnesota, and it's extremely important. And uh, Laura, Nathan, Molly, we're so glad that you guys got to come and to be here today with us as well. So can you please give a hand to Mike Amiot? I was for sure thinking that uh, Dale was going to introduce me as the guy who finished ahead of him in fantasy football, but maybe didn't want to go there. So Dale and I have been uh, become good friends over the years and their family, and so it's exciting to be with you. Uh, we miss having them at our church, so uh, I'll tell you what, you guys got a gift with Dale and Jana and their family. They are just a gift to the kingdom. They are a gift to this church and this area. Uh, as Dale was saying, I am the area director for Chi Alpha, and uh, I also am the district director for Minnesota. That's kind of where I got my, my feet grounded. Uh, I spent eight years as a campus missionary to Minnesota State University in Mankato, and then moved up here about 17 years ago to become the Minnesota State director. And uh, we just have seen ex- incredible expansion, incredible growth, and uh, reaching college students. And working with the leaders that reach college students has been one of the joys of my life. Uh, one of the exciting things that we have going on that is actually happening right in your area is we've begun to partner with the North Twin Cities section. So all the churches, there's a, each, the Assemblies of God is broken down into sections all throughout the state, and this is considered the North Twin Cities section. Your church is part of that. We've begun to uh, talk and envision what God would do in reaching the four campuses, the four primary campuses in this section, which are, I have to write them down because... They're kind of tricky to remember. But Anoka Ramsey, Hennepin Tech, North Hennepin, and Anoka Tech. And so we began to, to, to pray and ask God what he would have do. You know, one of the things that we're finding is 50% now of the college students that are going are going to a community and tech school. It's, it's the, it has shifted, incredible shift in the number of students who are not going to a state university anymore. So we began to say, hey, how do we, how do we address this issue? And so Two years ago, we launched, some of you have met Josiah and Micah Keneally. They launched at Normandale Community College, our very first community college in Minnesota. And now we're partnering with the North Twin Cities section, including your church, to see if we can reach those four campuses for Christ. So would you pray with us? Just keep them in mind. If you're passing by one of those colleges in the next uh, year, please just pray. Uh, if you know somebody that's going there, I encourage you to come talk to me afterwards. Uh, we, we have some people that we are going to be interviewing over the next couple months that hopefully we can get in place by this fall. It's aggressive, but we're, we're praying that God would open those doors for us. So we could use your help. 
If you could pray and just consider thinking about who might be there that, that we could get in touch with, that would be awesome. Let's pray before we get started this morning. Father, thank you for this opportunity to be here. Thank you for those who made it through the fog to be here this morning, and we pray that your word would go forth. We pray that we would hear from you this morning. God, that most importantly, that you would speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. I know uh, Pastor Dale was saying that you just finished the, uh, some sermons on the Advent, and so I wanted to kind of piggyback off that on, on just this idea of Advent and the Advent season, which is focused on this time of expecting and anticipation of the birth of Christ. I remember as a kid, and maybe some of you can identify with this, sitting under uh, a table in my living room the night before Christmas morning. Uh, I had always wondered as a kid, and I don't know how young I was, I had always wondered as a kid, is Santa the real deal? And so we had this table in the living room that kind of looked into our, our, our uh, or it was actually in our dining room that looked into our living room, and it, was, it had these four slats for, for legs, but they didn't come together in the middle. So as a little kid, I could sit in between two of those, be hidden, but I could see through the slats. And so I, I got out of bed after I'd been put to bed. I, I went over onto the table, and I just sat there and I because I wanted to see. And I had this anticipation of who was going to show up. And I got to tell you, I didn't make it. I don't know. I can't remember if I fell asleep under the table or if I got so tired that I rolled back into my bed, but I never saw anything that morning. But I woke up the next day with the same anticipation, the same excitement, and, and that's a lot of what Advent's about, that, that anticipation, that excitement of what God is doing. But I learned three things as I walk, walked away from that experience. One, anticipation is an exciting thing, isn't it? When you're looking forward to something, those things can cause excitement in us. The second thing, it was a time filled with surprise and joy. Every kid knows that the Christmas morning is just that opportunity to experience the gift of God, but also, as a kid, the gifts from mom and dad. And then third, the day after was an enormous letdown, right? We all remember that, that the day after and the days to come after Christmas as a kid, they're always a letdown, right? All that anticipation, that buildup, and sometimes it just falls flat the day after because now there's nothing to look forward to. Most of us will forget what we got a year from now. In fact, 53% of you don't remember what you got last year. How many are in that? Yeah, I'm there. If we're honest, this is largely due to where we put the focus. Is it on the season leading up to it or only on the day itself rather than the meaning of the day and its implications for life? I want to propose that God desires that we live in continual anticipation continual advent. I want to share this morning about living in anticipation. The Bible and the Christian walk are always about looking forward. So I want to talk to you today about three things that I believe God is wanting us to look forward to this morning. I prayed about what he would share, what I would share this morning, and God gave me three stories, and I'm going to share those three stories. The first story I titled, Fishing is Hard. Fishing is hard. And I'll share from Luke chapter 5, verses 4 through 6. And it says this, And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. 
Now, this is before these guys had become disciples. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. I love to fish. I don't know how many of you love to fish. There are people that hate fishing. There are people that love fishing. Dale loves fishing. I love fishing. There's a fisherman. Fishing is an amazing thing. And, and one of the things is growing up as a kid, we had this family cabin that we always loved to go up to. And as a kid, I remember my dad taking us out, and we, we got kind of this idea, hey, let's go out early in the morning. For some reason, it seems like the fish would be biting early in the morning. And so we would get up 6 a.m., and we would go out, and one of my favorite, favorite memories of being at the cabin is those boat rides out to our spot, and the lake is like glass. There's nothing like it. I remember as a kid having so much anticipation for throwing that first cast. In fact, before the boat even started or stopped and the, the, the anchor was in the water, I was up on the hull ready to cast my first cast because I had a spot. And our, our lake is called Round Lake, and it actually has three bays, so figure that out. It looks like a horseshoe with three bays. It's just, it's odd, but they called it Round Lake, and so there was this first bay that we'd always go to, and it was my spot because it's where I had pulled out the biggest fish that I ever caught on that lake. And so my dad, he was so gracious, he would always allow me the opportunity to throw the first cast. And there was this little nook, you know, within the reeds that I would love to cast into. And that anticipation of the first cast, of there's something there. There's something lurking there that's going to grab my line. And sure enough, sometimes it would happen, and other times there was nothing. And so then you would pick up and you would move somewhere else, and that anticipation would rise again because it's a brand new spot. There's brand new reeds. There's got to be a fish hiding under there. And you would cast. And sometimes it was glorious. It was absolutely glorious. And other times it was incredibly frustrating. <laughs> and if you've ever fished, you know, you know that fishing is frustrating because they don't always bite. But here's the thing. Regardless if the fish were biting, the next morning I'll do the same thing. I'll get up at 6 a.m., I'll go out, and I have the same level of anticipation. And I think that's what God wants us to have each morning, is that same level of anticipation of what he can do in our lives. It's sort of madness when you think about it. And a lot of people say that's why they don't fish, because you just sit there, and if nothing's biting, why do you continue to sit there? And there's that anticipation that I love about it. That's the thing that keeps me up, keeps me going. That's the kind of a continued expectation that God is asking of us. In the story, Jesus, in essence, is asking them to have faith to try something again. It isn't that they weren't fishing. It's been they'd been fishing all night and nothing. And I think there's some, somehow God had something to do with that so that that next morning when Jesus called them to throw the net to the other side, that he could show them that I am still working. That before you even come and become a disciple, you need to have faith in me. And so the story repeats itself in John 21. If you read further in John 21, this is the third time that he appears to the disciples. You may ask, why three times? Why did Jesus have to appear three times? It's not clearly stated, but it might have been to solidify the reality that it was him. Initially, they don't recognize him as he called out. 
Has he ever needed to remind you of who he is and what he can do in your life? And I wonder if in that moment Jesus was reminding them after his resurrection, hey, by the way, remember that first encounter when you had to put your faith in me? As a disciple, you're going to have to continue to put your faith in me. Fishing is hard. What Jesus does in this moment is similar to what he did when he first called them. He's calling them to put their faith in him in every circumstance. When we do, it reminds us of who he is and what he can do in and through us. Whenever you first set out on a journey or experience or you have a hobby that you enjoy, we're filled with expectation and anticipation. But as we all know, that level can fade over time, right? Just like it does with fishing. As excited as you are that first hour, if you don't catch anything for that first hour, your anticipation, your expectation begins to wane. If you're a seasoned disciple, it may seem that life is a little blasé at times. As we look to a new year that's full of always setting goals, is that what Jesus really wants from us? And wherever you are, Jesus calls us to engage with him. In this next year, I believe this, that he wants to call his disciples, you and I, to a new and deeper level with him, one that is filled with continual anticipation with who he is and what he can do in us. This means we have to stay engaged. We have to stay engaged. It means we don't stop fishing. We keep getting up and go fishing. It took faith to believe Jesus and throw the net to the other side. Believe me, the frustration, I've been there, you throw it on one side, you're casting and nothing happens and you throw it to the other side thinking they're over there and there's nothing there. And sometimes we feel like that's life. We've tried this, we've done this. And in this next year, Jesus may be asking you to put your faith in him in a stronger way and a commitment to engage in your faith with him as a disciple. It will take faith for you to believe for the things God has promised or will promise in this coming year. The second story I've titled Shortcuts. The story is found in John 4.1, a very familiar story if you're Familiar with the story of the woman at the well, it starts this way, John 4, 1. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was getting and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back one more, once more to Galilee. In verse 4, now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the, point, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from his journey, sat down by the well, and it was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? And his disciples had gone into the town to buy food, so he was alone. Verse 9, the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. In verse 10, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And the story continues on from there. Why is this so significant? The Jews avoided Samaria at all costs. There, were no, there was no association. You could liken the relationship to the Jews and the Arabs today 
They don't like each other then. They didn't like each other then. They don't like each other now. They simply did not want to interface with one another. So the Jews would take the long way around, across, uh, around the crossing of the Jordan on the east side. So they'd go all the way around. So basically, if you were to go through Samaria from Jerusalem to Galilee, it was a three-day walk. But in this case, because they went around, it was five days. It was a five-day journey. It's 40% more time to avoid Samaria. I was trying to liken this to uh, my wife is about to head to Chicago. We, her parents live there. Her, parents, her dad lives there. And so uh, it's about a six-hour drive to Chicago from here. Now, if we were to take 40% more, I'm not a guy that likes to go the long way anywhere. I love the direct route. I love the fastest route. If it's snowing, if it's sleep, I'm the mailman. I'm going to go through anything if it's the shortest route, right? 40% more would mean we would go down to Mankato. So let's say we just wanted to avoid Packer country, okay? Which, you know, I think it's viable to say that right about now. So we didn't want to drive straight through because we don't want to go through Wisconsin. We don't want to give them any money. We don't want to stop at the rest stops or at the restaurants. We're going to go around. And so we're going to go way around. We're going to go all the way through Mankato and then Mankato on to Des Moines and then Des Moines all the way over to Chicago. It's way out of the way. But that's 40% more driving than it would be to go through Wisconsin. And this is what was happening as the Jews would continue to walk around. And Jesus saw this happening. And he was faced with a situation. What should he do? So why did Jesus have to go through? Why did he decide to go through? I love that verse where it says Jesus had to go through Samaria. A lot of times in our life, our journey that we're taking, we feel like there are, there are places that we have a choice to go through. We have a choice to take a certain journey. And sometimes God is saying, no, I want you to take a left where you want to take a right. And in this situation, I believe that God was speaking to Jesus. He was, he was in tune with the Father. And so the reason he wanted to go the direct route was not because it, wasn't, it was the scenic route or because he was tired of, of, of walking, but he wanted to model what it meant to be led by the Father. He went through because the Father instructed him to. He went through because the Father instructed him to, and he wasn't afraid to face a difficult challenge head on because he knew the Father would be with him, and he knew what it meant for the kingdom. My question to you this morning is, what things do you view as avoidable areas in your life? In this coming year, you're going to be faced with situations. You're going to be faced with relationships. You're going to be faced with circumstances. What are those things that you see as avoidable areas in your life that God is asking you to go through instead of around? That's a tough one to swallow. Because when you don't have anything in common or you have a disdain for someone or a group of people or a situation or a circumstance, we've all been there. You all just, some of you came from Christmas uh, family gatherings and you would have liked to go around them, right? And you're looking at next year, how can I get, I've got friends who say, well, listen, we, we used to go to, we used to schedule going to Texas every year just so we didn't have to go to Thanksgiving. You know, he bought season tickets to the Dallas Cowboys game just so he didn't have to go to family reunions. I mean, that's going around big time. 
But we do that, don't we? We find things in our life that we don't want to, we don't want to, uh, to focus, we don't want to get involved with, we don't want to walk through because they're difficult. And for Jesus, you see, it wasn't a matter of geography, it was a matter of mission. It wasn't a matter of geography. It had nothing to do with the place itself. It had more to do with the mission that God was calling him on, which was to go through and meet a woman at a well. If we continue to avoid the areas God calls us to go through, then we'll miss out on opportunities for great reward. Look what happens in John 4, 39 through 42. I don't think I have it up there, but as a result, there was a witness to that community, if you read on. The people, that woman and the people in that community were changed for eternity because Jesus decided to make a decision to be obedient to the Father and go through a difficult thing go through a thing that everybody else had, avoid, had avoided. And he was faithful to walk through it. You will find yourself in circumstances, Samarias this year, but the circumstances and the geography is not the focus. Too often we make the focus, and too often we make that the focus, and we miss out on the relationships that God is trying to engage us in, the woman at the well. God's kingdom is more about people than it is about places. It's more about our obedience than it is about our comfort. And that is sometimes hard to live out. Some of you are on that journey right now where you're having to go through something challenging, something difficult, and maybe it's a relationship. And I feel like God wants to call us in this next year to look for those opportunities, those relationships that might not be on our present journey. That if we would just take a little bit of a left, and we'd pause and we'd ask the Lord to speak to us. We'd be led by the Father to maybe engage somebody that wasn't going to be in our pathway. Or to engage somebody that we've been putting off saying, hey, I, I have a fallout with this person. I, I don't want to deal with them. I don't want to talk to them. I'm not going to engage with them. And I just think that is not how Jesus wants us to live. Sometimes we have to face those things head, head on in order for him to bring life into those situations. I think back to Mankato in the situation when my wife's from a suburb of Chicago, I'm from a suburb of Minneapolis, and so when I was getting into Chi Alpha to do college ministry, I did an internship in Winona, and then I was headed to St. Cloud, and by the time I got done with my internship, there was somebody there, and so I ended up going to the default campus, which was Mankato, and uh, I did not enjoy Mankato. I'll just say that. It was a small town, a small town feel, small town thinking, and it was hard being from the city to, to go into a situation like that. And I, I didn't imagine that I would be in the position that I'm in now in Chi Alpha. But looking back, I realized that God had to bring us through that eight years on campus at Mankato to establish who we are today. And I would never change, even though the, I didn't like living there, we didn't really enjoy living there, the people that we met along the way. It's incredible, the stories that I could tell you of the people that we met along. God had us in mind to meet with people that he had pre-established for us to meet. Had we not gone, had we put up a fuss and said, no, I don't want to go to Mankato. I don't really like Mankato. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be challenging. It's small town thinking. Can we go somewhere else? And I wouldn't change it for the world now looking back. 
What is God calling you to go through even now or in this year to come? I like what Thomas Kirkman said. I think I have it up here. It says this, much of the unhappiness in life and many of the sorrows of life come from trying to avoid Samaria, trying to avoid unpleasant realities. So in this next year, look for opportunities to go through when your desire and your impulse is to go around. Last story, story number three, I call this death or life. In Luke 24, 1, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the woman took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead. He's not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered to the hands of the sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. And I love that statement right in the middle of that passage of Scripture. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Here's what I've realized in my Christian walk of uh, 40-some years. Oftentimes, Christianity, the symbol of Christianity is the cross, right? We often look to the cross as the symbol of Christianity, the crucifixion. And we sometimes only look to that as the only symbol of Christianity, is the death of Jesus on the cross. But sometimes we can only focus on what Christ did in his death, right? Saved us from sins. But that's not the end of the story. Romans 5.10 says, For if we were while God's enemies, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his what? His life. His life. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Think about this. Was it the death? of Jesus that attracted the disciples? He hadn't died yet. What attracted the disciples to Jesus? It was the life that he lived. It was the things that he did to bring them out of where they were, to meet people where they were at, to heal people, the forgiveness of sins. And they saw all of this happening. They walked with him day after day, seeing the life of Jesus. I I don't think if Jesus said, hey, guys, by the way, would you come follow me? I'm going to die. Uh, let's do this thing. You know, I, I, don't, I don't see that as something that was probably going to be a very engaging conversation with the disciples, right? He said, come follow me. And ultimately, yes, he calls us to follow him in death. We have to die to things in our life. But that's not the whole story. And sometimes if we focus on the death, we're always trying to kill things in our life, Right? We're always trying to kill the things, kill the things that don't, don't help us walk with him. We, we're always on the defensive instead of the offensive, which is, what is God calling us to live like? Who is God calling us to be? And this is what the disciples were attracted to. They were attracted to his life. In John 1, 4, it says, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. 
In John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal, steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. John 11.25, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. John 14.6, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. 1 John 5.12, whoever is the Son has what? He has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. Do you get the picture? That Jesus is calling us to a life with him, not a death with him. He's calling us to live for him. In this next year that that is coming, what what are the things that God is calling you to be awakened in to live for him? The two angels had to jog their memory. Sometimes I think God has to jog our memory, right? Hey, wake up. Remember, this is the Christian walk. This is exciting. There's supposed to be anticipation and expectation. And a lot of times that can get lost, and it can get lost as we continue to serve God. I've been doing it for 40-some years. I'll admit, there are days, there are weeks, there are months where I go through, it's really hard. It just seems like nothing's happening. And it's easy to just kind of settle into this, I'll just hold on to the end, (laughs) right? But that's not how God wants us to live. He wants us to live in anticipation of the things that he has for us. He modeled the way to live in order to get to new life or experience some of the newness. Yes, we may have to die to some things in our lives, but the focus isn't the death of those things. The focus is living a full life in Christ. Dallas Willard, I love Dallas Willard, he believes that the true life, abundant life in Christ, as the Bible refers to it, is that which is found in daily routine. If you've never read anything on the spiritual disciplines, maybe in this next year, I encourage you, wake up your Christian walk and walk through some of those spiritual disciplines. They will be engaging. They will help you re-engage in your faith and your walk with him. There's something about them that have been practiced all through the centuries that are life-giving, that shake us up from the mundane of life. God doesn't want us to leave from here and go through 2020 as a robot Christian. We just do what we know we're supposed to do. We get done, we come to church, we come Wednesday, and then we move through our life, and nothing ever happens. We never engage anyone. I can't imagine that's the plan that God has for us. Consider availing yourself to some of these disciplines in the coming year. G.K. Chesterton, I believe I have this on the screen as well, says this, Christianity is not so much tried and found wanting as it has been found difficult and left untried. I think that's a a true fact for a lot of us. If you've been serving God for any length of time, It's not that it's been found, tried, and found wanting. It's difficult. Fishing is hard. Walking with Christ is hard, but in the end, it's worth it. And if you live with expectation, if you live with anticipation of what he's going to do in your life in this new year, then you will continue to live in the mindset of Advent. I'm always anticipating, I'm always expecting, I'm always looking forward to something new. I'll close with this. One of the things I've noticed in each one of these stories, and maybe you picked up on it, is not one of them. 
the disciples, the woman at the well, the two women that were coming to the tomb, not one of them was expecting what they were about to encounter. Not one of them. As the disciples fished, I think they felt like they were done. We hadn't caught anything. Let's wrap it up. Let's move in. And yet Jesus meets them and basically says, throw your nets on the other side. And then I love the John 21 verse where, you know, Simon Peter, he jumps out of the boat. It's kind of the Forrest Gump moment, you know, when he sees Lieutenant Dan. You know, if you've watched that movie, he jumps off the boat and he just starts, he's like running in midair. I could see that's Simon Peter, you know, he's running after him. But before that, I don't think they were expecting to see him. And when we walk through life and we don't have that expectation, guess what we go back to? The things we know. They just went back to fishing. Jesus had died, and they had gone back to fishing. They had gone back to the, the regular things of life because they had stopped expecting. And I think Jesus appeared three times to say, hey, I want to anchor this in, not only for the historical value for us, but to anchor it into the disciples. Hey, by the way, guys, this is the real thing. It happened. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. And today, I believe Jesus is saying he's here, he's here, he's here. We are to be actively living in anticipation today, tomorrow, and until he finally returns. You know, Advent, a lot of times, is categorized as this time leading up to the birth of Christ, but Advent is also a reflection of those who come into a relationship with Christ throughout the New Testament, and it's also referred to in the second coming of Christ, right? Isn't that the great anticipation for the Christian, that Jesus one day will come and resurrect us and bring us with him? That is the hope of Christ, our faith can wane, our mission to reach the lost becomes an inconvenience, and we don't live the fullest life he intended us when we don't live in anticipation. I'll say that again. Our faith can wane, as it did with the disciples. Our mission to reach the lost becomes an inconvenience, like it is when we go around the things that we're supposed to go through, especially in relationships. And three, when we don't live the fullest life he intended us. God intends for us to live a full life. So in this next year, I want to encourage you to continue to live out Advent and be expectant with faith, like that of the disciples, to go through and be availed to God in those situations where he's calling you to maybe engage with someone that you would rather not engage with, and then to be devoted to the life of Christ for all who are waiting for that second coming. And that was my prayer for you in this next year. I believe that God wants you to live in a continual expectation and anticipation of who he is and what he wants to do. Let's pray. Father, thanks for this church and this community. Lord, there's so many as we drove by, even the houses and the cars that passed us on the way, people who don't know you or people who have chosen to ignore you and reject you. And Lord, those are the people that maybe in this story you have called us to begin having expectation for. Lord, our neighbors, our coworkers, the people in our schools. God, would you bring that level of anticipation, expectation for those people around us. Lord, for, for this area of faith to believe for things that maybe we've stopped believing you for, like the disciples, Lord, help us to cast our nets. God, when you ask us to, 
to believe you for the things that we feel are impasses, that, God, we feel are blockades, that we, we feel are difficult things. God, we need your help. Lord, build our faith. And lastly, I just pray that, God, we would live this life as full as you would have us live. God, that we wouldn't be looking for you among the dead because you have risen and you have risen to give us life. If you had not risen, we would not have life, but we have life. And Lord, let us live as Christians who have life. Even this week as we go back to work, let, us, let people see that there is a difference in us, that there is life in us. If we don't show life, then people don't, they're not attracted to it. And so, God, I pray that you would give us a life, a fulfilling life with you to entrust everything that we have. God, I pray that blessing over this church, Lord, that you would bless Dale and Jane and their family and all those who are members of this church and attendees of this church, Lord. May this be an incredible year to come. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to a message from Life Assembly. Connect with us online at lifemn.org. And thanks for listening.